down a threat to decency and humanity. Last week, along with cocaine, what is it today? It's more than one small country. It is a big idea. Because of oppression, has new Listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we're going to take a look back at the year 2023, and we're going to follow the moon rabbit. That's right, we're going down the rabbit hole tonight. Pretty deep down the rabbit hole. Back to earlier this year, we're going to reflect on the events that have happened this past year, and we're going to connect some dots and we're going to look at some of the concepts which kicked off the year 2023 and which seemed to be very thematic throughout the entire year. So there were a lot of things that happened in the news cycle. So it's necessary for us to take a look back at this. And of course, I'm going to start primarily with a little piece that I put together way back in the early portion of this year, talking about the importance of the Year of the Rabbit. For you see, this is a trope that was brought to the public mind, to the public attention, by the mainstream media at the very beginning of the year 2023. Now, this wasn't something that I had ever noticed before happening in media. So that being the case, I began to wonder, what is going on with this? Why are they focusing so heavily on this whole notion of not only the Chinese New Year celebration, but also the fact that this was, in the Chinese tradition, the Year of the Rabbit. So I began to look into the archetypes associated with it, and I could see right away that what this was, was this was a programming template for the entire year surrounding the Chinese New Year. So they use this as a programming template to bring certain things into fruition in human consciousness during the course of the year 2023, and they laid it out for us exactly the nature of what this would be in the very beginning, in the very outset of the Chinese New Year celebration here in America, something that they seem to focus very heavy attention on, which they had never done before. So I find that compelling, that all of a sudden we had all of these mainstream news stories and articles out there covering this whole notion of the Chinese New Year, the celebration of the Chinese New Year. And how that the year 2023 was going to be the year of the rabbit in the Chinese system, in the Chinese calendar. So I went through, and I, I think I published this originally back in late February, I want to say. Maybe early March 
is when I first published this. I had noticed some of the things trending prior to writing this first article here, and I just recently did a follow-up article on this, talking about other things that had come to fruition since that time that align with this motif that they most certainly used to show us as a blueprint for things to come in this year, 2023. So without further ado, let's go ahead and we'll get into it. And this will be somewhat of a review of some of the major news events throughout the course of the year here as well. And you'll see how all of this ties together into the same general archetype. And how we'll make these synchromystic connections for you. So that you can see that perhaps there was an intelligence behind the planning phases of some of these things that may reach outside of the bounds of normal human intelligence. And I still, to this day, will say there is most certainly a spiritual component to these things. Anything that you can view as this type of predictive programming or revelation of the method, I think there are spiritual connections, spiritual intelligences at play that oftentimes make these things align in certain ways or make them manifest in certain ways. And that seems to be no different here. The thing is, a lot of it draws upon archetypal ideas that are inherent in human consciousness that we don't see on a conscious level, but we do recognize them on the unconscious level. And this is wherein these social engineers and programmers of this world like to leverage certain principles. So they will take certain ideas and apply them in certain directions with these things. And this was the case with this year of 2023 being the year of the rabbit, as we'll see here. And there's a bunch of different symbols that crop up all the time that have been leveraged here and should act as a guidepost for people to understand certain things. So without further ado, I will get directly into the article here. As a reminder of early events of the year 2023, to see just where they were leading us right at the outset. Lunar New Year in the Year of the Rabbit 2023. In early January of 2023, the American mainstream media began placing an unprecedented level of attention on the celebration of the Chinese Lunar New Year and the astrological convention of the Year of the Rabbit. This is something that has never been a focus of public attention here in the West in years prior. I began to notice this trope showing up all over the place, and I had never remembered ever seeing the Lunar New Year so emphasized before. I began to pay attention to the signs and the symbols that began to very rapidly emerge. The Chinese Lunar New Year is generally celebrated according to the Chinese lunisolar calendar on the second new moon after the winter solstice. Going to pause right there for a moment. So this is traditionally when Chinese Lunar New Year occurs. Of course, it's tied to the position of the moon in the sky. Tied to the sky clock and a much more natural calendar. A loony solar calendar that takes into consideration both the position of the sun and the moon in the sky during different parts of the year. So the signification here is important. So they were bringing attention 
to the Lunar New Year in the Chinese calendar, which occurred on the second new moon after the winter solstice. Which, in the year 2023, that's this year, fell on the evening or early morning of January 21st into 22nd. So remember that, January 21st into 22nd, 2023. This is when the Chinese calendar celebrated the Lunar New Year. So this was a reset of a cycle. And these people take these kind of things very seriously, these occultists, the dark occultists who run things in this world. They take these things very seriously. And in so doing, taking these things seriously as they do, they oftentimes will leverage these types of timed events in certain ways to kind of set the mood or the tone for the whole thing. And that's what they've done. They set the tone for the whole cycle here. And that cycle, of course, being the year. Now, a little bit later on, we'll get into how they have decided to convolute this and mix it up a little bit to throw people off the trail of what they're doing. But we'll get there a little later. So keep that in mind. So the Lunar New Year occurred the evening of January 21st going into January 22nd. And it says the celebration of the festival usually lasts until the next full moon, which happened on February 5th this year in 2023. So we had this window of opportunity that they used in order to use specific natural energies to shape the year to come. And that's what was done here by these dark occultists and, of course, by those other spiritual forces which surround them that oftentimes manifest unseen in the invisible realms and bring things to fruition in the physical realm here in certain ways that seem inexplicable. And oftentimes people won't make the connection. They'll say, that's silly, that's nonsensical to think in that way. But I assure you, this synchromystic connection between these things is certainly something that is extant there. And over the course of time, it begins to develop a pattern. And once you can see and recognize the pattern, you might be able to piece together some of what may come next in the pattern. So that being the case, that's eventually what I was able to piece together. Let's continue through the article here. 2023 in the Chinese Zodiac is the year of the rabbit. And this year, more specifically, it is the year of the water rabbit. The year of the rabbit spans from January 22nd, 2023 to February 9th, 2024, a total of 383 days. And I'll let you count the ways on that if you would like, if you know how to use these different various systems of gematria. You can put those numbers together and arrive with some different details. Things like, oh, I don't know, if you, you want to go to the, at the most simple way to put this together, 383. 8 plus 3 is 11, so 311. And of course, if you look back to what happened on 311 2020, that's when the whole world changed forever, when they began to instantiate these lockdowns and things like that with the whole COVID pandemic situation. These things are important. They always encode certain things in their planning. And it seems 
to be a bridge too far for some people to accept, but it's always there. Nonetheless, whether you want to admit there's maybe something to it or not, it's always there, regardless of what your stance is on that. But let's go ahead, we'll continue here. <coughs> the rabbit, or the jade rabbit, is an important figure in Chinese mythology and relates back to the story of Shang-Yi and Hu Yi. The myth of Shang-Yi and Hu Yi represent the same archetypes as Artemis and Apollo in Greek mythology. The rabbit represents the trickster archetype in 2023, as will be shown as we proceed. So we'll get a pause for a second there. So the legend of Chang-Yi and Hu Yi, well, these would correspond to Artemis and Apollo in Greek mythology. And we'll see there are various commonalities between them. So as is the case with most types of mythology, when you cross the various bounds of culture, you seem to find that many of these different mythologies oftentimes align in certain regards. And this is one of those regards. This is one of them. You see, in this way, we can equate one mythological figure with another. And this is done all the time. This was specifically done within the Roman mythology, where they would equate one of these Greek gods with one of their own gods in that mythos. So this is done all the time. And now we're just crossing over to the East. As you see, there's a lot tied to Eastern philosophy that was bound up in the opening of this year. So we see the Artemis and the Apollo archetype in the Hu Yi and Chang Yi. And then, of course, we have this Jade Rabbit that you throw in the mix, and the mix of the rabbit in this. This represents the trickster archetype in 2023, and we'll have that play out here as we see. Let's read on. The myths behind the festival Chang'e and Hu Yi, long ago, there were ten suns in the sky. This is the legend of Chang'e and Hu Yi. There were ten suns in the sky. These were in the form of three-legged birds residing in a mulberry tree in the eastern sea, traveling around the world on a carriage driven by the mother of the suns. But one day, ten of them circled together, causing the earth to burn. People were dying, and so Hu Yi used his bow and arrows. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. Think of Artemis or Apollo. This would be Apollo, Hu Yi. So he used his bow and arrows to shoot down nine of them. All the people on the earth were saved. As a reward for his heroics, the Queen of Heaven gave Hu Yi a bottle of elixir that could make Hu Yi become an immortal but the elixir was only effective for one person. Hu Yi asked his wife Chang Yi to keep it for him, as he didn't want to leave her behind. One day, Hu Yi went out hunting. Feng Meng, or alternatively Peng Meng, one of his students, went to Hu Yi's house and tried to force Chang Yi to give him the elixir. Chang Yi had to drink the elixir since she didn't want that evil man to have it. The elixir made her become an immortal and fly higher and higher. Finally, she stopped on the moon. 
From then on, people began to offer lots of food to Chang'e on the day of the year when the moon is roundest, and that would be in the autumn. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So this will correspond later, as we will see, to another festival, another Chinese festival surrounding this myth, which they laid out the archetype at the very beginning here of 2023, January 21st going into January 22nd of this year, 2023, was a, a reset. They hit the reset button, and they programmed the motif for the year. And they set up the next big change point around this next festival that they're talking about, where the people would offer foods to Chang'e on the day of the year when the moon is the roundest, and this comes in the autumn, and we'll explore that a little deeper later. But there's also another myth associated with this, and this, of course, relates to the rabbit in this scenario. The Jade Rabbit Pounding the Herbs One day, three immortals that were living in the heaven came to the earth. They asked a fox, a monkey, and a rabbit to find some food for them. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. Pay close attention to the symbolism here. A fox, a monkey, and a rabbit. Let's keep that in mind. Let's continue the story. So the fox and the monkey both found something for the three immortals, while the rabbit got nothing. The rabbit felt very sorry for the three immortals. Finally, he jumped into the fire and said to the three immortals, Eat me, please. The three immortals were deeply moved by the rabbit. They decided to give the rabbit the title of Jade Rabbit and let him accompany Chang'e in the Moon Palace. The Jade Rabbit assists Chang'e in making more of the elixir of immortality by pounding out herbs in a pestle. This is the myth surrounding the rabbit on the moon, a shadow that can be seen on the face of the moon. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So this is a big thing back in Chinese mythology. You see, if you look at the moon on certain nights, certain shadowy forms on the surface of the moon, of the full moon, look almost rabbit-shaped. And this is where the legend of the Jade Rabbit comes from. So the Jade Rabbit accompanies Chang'e in her moon palace, where they pound out these herbs, making the elixir of immortality. This is also known as the Philosopher's Stone. This elixir of immortality, the great work. If you want to cross it over into some of this, the teachings of the secret society groups, this is what's equivalent to that. Of course, they always talk about immortality as being a part of the great work or the philosopher's stone, this type of a notion. So that's one of the things that's intrinsically linked to the moon as far as a symbol goes. And, of course, this being the year of the water rabbit, that makes it even more so tied to the moon, because you see water, the element of water in the old philosophic system, is oftentimes equated to the moon. In fact, so much so that we have this notion that the moon affects the tides here on Earth. 
I don't know if that's really scientifically true or accurate or not, but many people claim that, yes, the moon has a definitive effect on the tides. And, of course, we know the moon has effects on human behavior as well. This is well documented. You can talk to anybody who's ever worked at an ER in an emergency room. Always on the full moon, it seems there's greater activity going on. Human behavior seems to become escalated towards, oh, I don't know, sometimes a troublesome nature in that way. So these are the types of natural forces that are in play here that some of these dark occultists recognize that we don't. At least they acknowledge them. They know how to use them or manipulate them in certain ways that we do not. And they do so. And a lot of it, like I said, has to do with archetype. So now we've laid out the myth here. These myths. Where this comes from and why it is that the Chinese people celebrate the New Year celebration and various other festivals that surround the moon, the position of the moon, and why they hold these figures in high regard and why the figure of the rabbit has become associated with the moon. And as we'll see, with the trickster as well. So continuing on here from where we left off, now that we laid that down. The Mid-Autumn Festival is the second most important festival for Chinese people after the Chinese New Year Festival. This year, 2023, the Mid-Autumn Festival falls on September 29th. And I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. You can count the ways with September 29th all you would like. If you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you may have heard me mention in months past that if, and I didn't think necessarily something would happen, but if something big were to happen on the world stage, I went ahead and predicted the date of September 29th as perhaps the time that that would take place on or around that time. And lo and behold, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> if, if you were paying attention to things going on in the world around that time, you, you may begin to make some correspondences. But we'll see, because that, that actually runs a lot deeper than what I'd originally thought. But let's I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Let's get back to this article. So an alternate telling of the myth goes as follows. Now, here's another telling of how the myth of Chang'e plays out. Chang'e, also known as Chiang'o, can be defined as the moon goddess who is known for her loveliness and the loveliness subsequently celebrated in novels and poems. It is said that this Chinese moon goddess sought the moon for refuge after her consort called Hu Yi, or the Lord Archer, made the discovery that Chang'e had stolen the immortality drug which he had which had been gifted to him by the gods. While Hu Yi was in pursuit of Chang'e and the immortality drug, he was impeded by the hare, and the hare argued that he wouldn't let the irate husband pass the gates until Hu Yi promised reconciliation. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. So the, the guardian of the gate of the moon is the rabbit, or the hare, 
The reconciliation of Chang Yi and Hu Yi, remember this would be Artemis and Apollo in the Greek, represents the alchemical wedding of the feminine and masculine principles, the moon and the sun. And this reconciliation is controlled by the jade rabbit, the mercurial component. The trickster archetype, alternately the muse. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. The jade rabbit. The jade rabbit represents mercury in the alchemical processes. Now, this is something that uh, may be lost on some of you out there if you haven't been following any of this stuff for any length of time, if you're not familiar with some of these processes. So we're talking about the alchemical wedding of the feminine and masculine principles, the sun and the moon, and of course we have to have that mercurial component to bind them. So that's what the jade rabbit represents. It's the mercurial component, and it also represents the trickster archetype, or the muse, if you want to call it that. And as an interesting added layer of meaning, the dynamic of Chang Yi and the Jade Rabbit can also be correlated to the archetype of Calliope, the muse in Greek myth. That's where it gets the notion of the muse. The elixir of immortality, which is represents the lost word of Freemasonry, the philosopher's stone, the great work, etc., is the product of this union or reconciliation representing the ascension of the new age. So I'm going to pause again there, folks. So we have this trickster figure being the arbiter of the gate into the new age, the arbiter of the reconciliation of the masculine and feminine forces of this alchemical wedding of sorts, and, of course, this represents the keeper of the lost word, the keeper of the philosopher's stone, the keeper of the great work. So here's the thing. If the keeper of the lost word or the philosopher's stone is the trickster, what does that tell you? We are in for a wild ride, aren't we? It's illusion. You have to be able to see through the illusion to take hold of the Philosopher's Stone. And if you don't see through the illusion that's been presented, you have no hope of attaining that. There's no reconciliation there. Let's go ahead and continue on. The rabbit symbol has been hijacked in this regard for use as the muse in a negative attribution by those occult powers who seek to control the Great Awakening and transmute it into the Great Reset, a form of guided evolution. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks. That's what this is all about. Whenever you have an alchemical transmutation taking place, even if it's just in terms of a philosophical way of thinking, there's always a trickster component involved with it, especially in this regard. When you're applying a negative attribution to it in this way, you have to have that mercurial component to make it a true alchemical process. Without that, it's not a complete process. So what's been done here is we have... 
we have, according to the cycles of time here, this great awakening that's been going on, and those powers that shouldn't be at the top of the power structure, they want to try to grasp hold of that and manipulate that and leverage that to their own advantage. So they've been attempting to use every trick they could come up with to try to transmute this into the Great Reset or the Great Narrative. They have many names for this, but it's all essentially the notion or the symbol representing this thing going on. Of course, they also would like to think of the Great Reset as guided evolution or self-guided evolution. And this reeks of transhumanism. That's what all these agendas have been about. But it goes against the natural order, as we'll see. But let's continue on. <coughs> the rabbit's natural archetypal attachment to the trickster is being manipulated and leveraged to transform the world mind towards this goal. The intentional misuse of the rabbit symbol becomes obvious when you begin to explore the media exposure of this Lunar New Year, Year of the Rabbit Push, and associate it with some key events that were used to hoodwink the public mind. And we're going to go ahead and get into some of that here. And as we continue through, and I'll get into the second article I wrote about this as a follow-up just recently, you'll see that since the writing of this first article, many of these things... Many of the things that have come to fruition align with the things that were presented here. So let's go ahead and continue here. So we see they used this archetype to hoodwink the public mind, one of their favorite tactics. They like to use the illusion. Use your illusion. Where have you heard that before? Use your illusion. That's certainly what they've done. Let's read on. Having spent several weeks drawing the focus of the public mind on the Lunar New Year and the Year of the Rabbit, the intent of the social engineers was put on full display on the very night of the kickoff of the Lunar New Year, the night of January 21st going into January 22nd. We will now follow the synchromystic trail pointing to the direction that the dark occultists who run things would like to steer us. The following events set the tone and tenor of the year 2023, which is shaping up to be a year of massive deception, the negative use of the muse to steer the world mind, the leveraging of the trickster archetype to create mass social change. So we're going to begin with a couple of news stories here. And I have links to the news stories in this original article. I don't think we're going to go to the original news stories because I lay out the important aspects of it here in the article I wrote. So the Lunar New Year shooting on January 21st, 2023, a mass shooting occurred in Monterey Park, California, United States. The gunman killed 11 people and injured nine others. Count the ways. The shooting happened at about 10.22 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at Star Ballroom Dance Studio after an all-day Lunar New Year festival was held on a nearby street. 
Shortly afterwards, the gunmen drove north to Lai Lai Ballroom in nearby Alhambra to continue his shooting spree but was confronted by staff and disarmed before fleeing by car. The perpetrator was identified as 72-year-old Hu Can Tran. He died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound during a standoff with police in Torrance the next day. It is the deadliest mass shooting in the history of Los Angeles County. Gunfire was reported at the Star Ballroom at 10.22 p.m. on January 21, 2023. I'm just linking together several articles here that talk about this. The gunmen fled the scene. Monterey Park Police responded within three minutes of the first 911 call, finding individuals pouring out of the location screaming when they arrived. Ten people were pronounced dead at the scene. Ten others were taken to local hospitals. The gunmen used a Cobra M11-9, a semi-automatic pistol, and count the ways an 11-9 Cobra. And that's a semi-automatic pistol variant of the MAC-11 with an extended high-capacity magazine. The gun and the high-capacity magazine are illegal in California. Good thing they have all those gun laws. Huh? According to the county sheriff, Robert Luna, can't make this stuff up, the weapon was purchased in Monterey Park in 1999, but not registered. He also described the gunman as a male Asian wearing a black leather jacket, a black and white beanie, and glasses. Going to pause. Notice a lot of the symbolism presented here. We have, of course, the numbers game being played, as always with this stuff. And the name game. His name was Robert Luna, directly associated with the moon. The gunman was wearing black and white you know, the Masonic checkerboard colors. Let's read on. Tran, that's the name of the gunman. Who can Tran? Who can train? Who can Tran? He fired 42 rounds into the dance hall. An unnamed witness to the shooting told the media that the gunman began, quote, shooting everybody in the ballroom and shooting some victims again while walking around. The studio's owner and manager, Ming Wei Mai, sorry, Ming Wai Ma. Ming Wai Ma reportedly was the first to rush the shooter but was killed. One dancer, Yulan Cow. Yulan Cow. I'm sorry for the giggle there, but this is a hallmark of many of these types of false flag type events. They have funny names. So Yulan Cow was killed shielding others from gunfire. Others may have done so as well. This is directly from mainstream news articles, folks. I'm, I'm not making any of this stuff up. You could go back and look up these events. You could find these articles. I remember these events very well. This was what was setting the tone and tenor of the year 2023. A classic, classic false flag type event here. And if you go back and you listen to some others who speak at length about how a lot of these same tropes turn up in these things all the time, the funny names, the symbolism, the use of the numbers, always seems to align 
always seems to follow the same template. No different here. So we had a classical scenario like this for those with eyes to see, to know right out of the gate. And here we are. But anyway, let's continue on. So the article here continues to say the police took about five hours to alert the general public that the shooter was at large. Gee, that sounds like something very thoughtful of them, doesn't it? Although information was sent to police scanners and other government agencies. Scott Weiss, the city's new police chief, he began work two days before the shooting, said he did not wish to awaken the residents who are predominantly Asian American just because the police were looking for a male Asian in Monterey Park. He also said that the police did not want to risk sharing the wrong information because it had about 40 witnesses, many of whom did not speak English. And there's a special note here attached in asterisk I put here after this Scott Weiss, after his name here. Special note, the police chief in charge at the time this event happened and who was named by the media was named Robert Luna and now has apparently been replaced. Now remember, remember, names oftentimes associated with the events become very important here with these type of things. It's all part of the programming template. So now we see Robert Luna. And of course, it was the Lunar New Year celebration that all this was surrounding. Anyway, let's continue. Doesn't stop there. A second shooting occurred right on the heels of this event. Where? Half Moon Bay, California. I kid you not, January 24th. Says directly from Reuters. A deadly gun rampage at Northern California Mushroom Farms likely stemmed from a workplace grievance, authorities said on Tuesday, as new details emerge about the latest of two back-to-back -back mass shootings that claimed 18 lives in total. Going to pause there. I'll let you put two and two together there if you're familiar enough with the numerological aspects here. 18 can break down into 666. And, of course, if you go back <laughs> and look... Where did this one take place? Half Moon Bay at a California mushroom farm. Mushrooms are generally noted for their affinity to the moon. Their harvesting is affinity has an affinity to different cycles of the moon. But, so once again, we have this connection back to the moon. Let's keep reading. In apparently unrelated acts of mass murder, seven people were killed on Monday. That would be the 24th. In an attack on farm workers, many of them immigrants in the seaside town of Half Moon Bay near San Francisco. Well, 11 people were shot to death on Saturday night at a Los Angeles area dance hall frequently frequented, frequented mostly by older patrons of Asian descent. The suspects in both attacks were men of retirement age, much older than the typical perpetrators of deadly mass shootings that have become all too common in the United States. Going to pause for a second there. So notice they made sure to point this out. That these guys, well, they're much older than who standardly does these things. You see, they're trying to shift people's focuses here. They're trying to make people believe that there's not just this one common 
or commonality between these shooters because generally when you have these mass shooting events it's generally an unhinged younger person usually in their late teens early 20s or some such thing usually a white male that's always the notion that they've painted and now these ones they they don't align with that that template so they've they've done something here now this is something that's kind of subtle for most people who aren't paying attention to this kind of thing. What they've done by this is they've injected a new type of fear into the surrounding circumstances of these types of events. Now they made it so that anyone can be a threat. You don't just look for the uh, white supremacist young 20-something male who's unhinged. It could be anyone. And this is the new notion of fear that they wanted to put in people's minds. Anyone could be a terrorist. It doesn't follow the same template all the time. So that's just a subtle thing that they put together here. But let's continue. Authorities said the two men, Hu Cantran, 72, and Chun Li Zhao, 66, each used a semi-automatic pistol. The victims of both attacks came from immigrant communities. Tran fired on ballroom dancers celebrating the Lunar New Year in Monterey Park near Los Angeles, and Zhao sprayed bullets at farm workers of Hispanic and Asian origin 380 miles north in Half Moon Bay. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So, 380... You notice they have to get the number of miles in this news story. This is directly from Reuters. They had to mention 380 miles north is where Half Moon Bay is from Monterey Park. And if you were paying attention earlier, we had 383 was a number that had cropped up here earlier associated with this. So 38, again, if you want to do the math, 3 and 8, 11, always have to get their numerological significances in there. But let's continue on. So Tran tried to attack a second dance studio on Saturday night, but was disarmed without firing a single shot in a struggle with the club's operator. The next morning, he shot himself to death in the driver's seat of his getaway vehicle as police closed in. Zhao was arrested on Monday evening outside a sheriff's station where authorities said he had driven shortly after the Half Moon Bay shootings, apparently to surrender. As you can see, all the classic hallmarks of mind control operation are present, showing us the intention of the leveraging of the rabbit and moon myth archetype as the trickster. So let's follow the synchromystic trail a little bit further here. And we'll see some other interesting connections to this. So this Lunar New Year, they hyped it up before the event, created all kinds of news stories and articles surrounding this coming Chinese Lunar New Year celebration. It was a big deal. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of my 48 years of life on this earth, that I've never heard any such thing mentioned in news media outlets in the way that it had been here. And all the surrounding hype about the year of the rabbit and all of the astrological notions associated with it as well. 
So they've been hyping this up beforehand, and then when the event happens, well, we have this double mass shooting. Not just one, but two. They had to really emphasize the point here. So we have these mass shooting events, which have all the hallmarks, all the classic hallmarks of a false flag narrative, because you see we've got all the funny names and all the numerological significance and all of the various strange occurrences and disagreement in the original stories as to exactly how or what happened and of course gaps in time like a five-hour gap where the police department did not let people know hey there's an active shooter on the loose seems a little bit irresponsible to me don't you think but uh, we're supposed to accept that at face value that's that's the way it goes but let's follow the trail a little bit further. And like I said, we'll circle back later when I get to the second article that I did more recently about this. The Sounds Like Is Like game comes into play when you look at the name of the shooter in the Monterey event. His name was Who Can Tran, or Tran equals train. Sounds like is like, right? Tran equals train. Another manipulated event that has captured the minds of the masses is a massive train derailment spewing toxic chemicals into the atmosphere. The synchromistic connections don't end there, though. So do you remember that? Do you remember back in, I think it was February, when we had this massive train derailment in Ohio that spewed toxic chemicals in the air? And where was that? That was Palestine, Ohio, wasn't it? Or East Palestine, Ohio? Palestine? Does that ring any bell? We'll, we'll get there later. Uh, but, so at any rate, we have this happen. So we had the train that was spewing the toxic chemicals. And of course, that ties back to the shooter in this event. Who can train? Who can train? So we see that. And like I said, the synchromistic connections don't end there. If you think back in the news cycle, what happened shortly after the train derailment season thing? A tradition long associated with Chinese Lunar New Year is the releasing of what's called Chinese lanterns into the air. These are a type of balloon, a Chinese balloon. Go figure, right? Another news story that has captured the imaginations of the masses is the series of stories about Chinese spy balloons. You remember all of that nonsense, too? Once again, the intention of the story can be tied back to the beginning events that set off this year of the rabbit. More attention was drawn to the archetype of the Lunar New Year by the fact that the White House, for the very first time ever, held a Lunar New Year reception after the occurrence of the associated shootings, something that would ordinarily be considered to be done in poor taste. Remember back to that? They held at the White House for the first time that I'm ever aware. A Chinese Lunar New Year reception at the White House, folks. Do you remember anything like this ever happening prior? And of course, this was after the shootings. So at the very least, you could consider that to be in poor taste, right? Well, let's read from an article here. President Joe Biden on Thursday held the White House's first ever Lunar New Year reception, only days after a mass shooting in Monterey Park, California, during a Lunar New Year celebration. And he says, quote, It's wonderful to see so many friends on this special holiday, even as we gather with such heavy hearts, end quote, the president said in his opening remarks. 
And then he goes on and he continues. He says, quote, Our prayers are with the people of Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. And after yet another spree of gun violence in America, Biden said, referring to both the Lunar New Year killings and a second mass shooting at two farms in California on Monday. On Saturday, a gunman opened fire at a dance studio in Monterey Park, which is predominantly Asian, but uh, an Asian community, killing 11 people. Two days later, in Half Moon Bay, seven people were killed. The victims were of Asian and Hispanic descent. Biden said at Thursday's reception that he was encouraged by Representative Judy Chu, chair of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus and a former mayor of Monterey Park, what a coincidence, right, to continue his plans to hold the celebration despite the tragic shootings. Gonna pause. So we have a government figure who was a former mayor of Monterey Park, where this happened, was actually at the White House for this event and was also the chair of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. That's a lot of influence that this person has. Let's continue and see what is what was said here. Quote, as you know, Lunar New Year is the most celebrated holiday by Asians across the world, and this year's festivities have felt different, she said. This is Judy Chu. I'm still processing the recent mass shootings, so I will simply say that more needs to be done to address gun violence in America. And here we go with the gun grab narrative, as always with these people. Always seem to want to restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens, even though the weapon used in that event was illegal. So what good did your gun laws do in that case? See, here's a big secret, folks. Criminals don't obey laws. That's why no amount of legislation will ever come about that will end criminal activity. It won't happen. Criminals, by their very nature, do not obey laws. Period. It's a logical fallacy, and it's stupid. And yet, these people in Congress seem to think that's the best way forward. Let's pass a new law. Let's continue, though. So we can clearly see some more agendas being wrapped up in the deception here, part and parcel to some of what we can expect to come in future months here in 2023. Remember, I wrote this. It was back in February or early March when I wrote this article. So there was still a lot yet to come. I would think it probable, it is probable, that we could see some major event rolled out on or around September 29th, as this is the mid-autumn festival date, based upon the intent and context we have seen here already leveraged. We need to be mindful of the synchromistic metadata that can be observed around us, especially in the media and entertainment. There is also a connection to the upcoming Artemis moon missions that can be explored, as I think this will also be weaponized against the human mind through the use of these archetypes. Artemis is scheduled in 2024, which, by the way, consequently is in the Chinese calendar, the year of the dragon. So Artemis is scheduled in 2024, the year of the dragon. So I suspect that the shift 
from the rabbit symbolism to the dragon symbolism will occur starting in the late autumn to shift the public mind with the cycles of time. This will be a shift from lunar or water programming motifs to solar or fire programming motifs as the water rabbit shifts to the wood dragon, the wood representing the natural order which may be represented as being consumed by the fire, giving fuel and power to more drastic social transformation strategies. going to pause for a moment here. So, water programming shifting to fire programming. You know what happened months after I wrote this? Well, you remember the Hawaiian fires? What happened in Hawaii? Food for thought, folks. I'm not claiming to be a prophet. I don't claim to know anything. But I have become a little bit skillful at recognizing what I call synchromystic metadata and connecting some dots and seeing what patterns emerge. And from the things I know about the secret schools, I can piece together a generalized idea of things that may come and around about the cycles of time in which they may arrive. Just learning how to read their language, which they call the green language, what they call the phonetic Kabbalah, the language of the birds. They have many names for this hidden communication. That's what this is. It's hidden communication. They lay out their plans, and if you have the right cipher and can translate through their symbolism, their use of symbols, you can maybe figure out portions of what they may have in mind for the future. So this will give fuel and power to more drastic social transformation strategies. That's what's coming here with the shift over between the motif of the rabbit and the dragon. Now, let's continue. This is what I wrote in the original article, and then we'll get to the more updated article, which is a follow-up to this one that I just did recently. These speculations are my own, and I reserve the right to be totally wrong on all of these ideas, but there is a degree of importance in recognizing the games being played, and I still stand by that. Like I said, I don't claim to have any type of crystal ball or anything to predict future events with any type of accuracy. I just understand their playbooks to a certain degree. I understand their hidden language to a certain degree. And it's not a precise degree. I'm still very far away from having a complete understanding of that. Very far. And that being the case, I can maybe speculate as to some general things that they may have in mind based upon the synchromystic data that's present. But I don't know exactly what that is. And sometimes, because of the nature of how they operate with this, you won't know until after the fact what that was. That's the nature of what they call revelation of the method. You won't recognize it as such until after the event has occurred, that it predicted or led up to, 
or presaged. That's how it works. You know how they say hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, that's how Revelation of the Method works. You may not recognize it as such at the time, but once an event has occurred, then you will see it for what it is. But let's continue on. Revelation of the Method is being shown right now. If you have eyes to see, I hope that by outlining the mythological archetypes at play here, we can alert more people to the tools and methods that those dark occultists, or dark occult powers at the top of the power pyramid, like to use to affect our minds. If you recognize it for what it is, it no longer directs your path. No fear, no judgment, just pattern recognition tells you what it is, and you can then disavow it and render it moot. If enough people do this, then we can have a change for the better in our world. And that is where I'm going to end that article right there that says it all. Now remember, I wrote this clear back. Let me see if the date is on here. Uh, I wrote this early April. That's when I wrote this, in early April. Reflecting back on these things that I recognized early on in the year. So now, we're going to look a little further ahead here in the news cycle, because that covered the stuff in the news cycle up until early April. And then, of course, after that, we had the Hawaiian fires and various other things really kicked off here in our world, which can be very transformative in nature. And we'll see... We'll see what's been done here now. Now they kind of shifted off the trail a little bit. And you wouldn't know that they were going to shift gears and go off the trail here from where they were if you didn't have that intuition about it. If you didn't recognize some of what's been done and how the events themselves can sometimes shift the plan in different directions. And I think that's what's been done here. You see, they queued up certain events that have happened now. And when those events kicked into full gear, they shifted gears as to what the archetypes are that they're going to leverage and where they're steering the new year of 2024. You see, they're not sticking with the Chinese mythos or mythology as the template for 2024 they've shifted to an entirely different culture. That being the case, let's read this follow-up article that I just published a few days back talking about this. Yaknahaz, follow the rabbit trail. The year of the rabbit shifts from the east to the Middle East. Earlier this year, I wrote an article detailing the importance of the Year of the Rabbit as an important programming motif and blueprint for things to come. In the original article, which I just read for you folks and commented on, I made a few predictions based upon the synchromystic metadata present in the mass media narratives that were being shared by mainstream press and entertainment sources. It turns out, it would appear I was correct... I'll provide links in to the original article at the end of this follow-up article, which I did here. Since the writing of the original article, many new events have come to pass that reify the assertions that I made. 
For those of you who are unfamiliar with the premise that I have postulated, a brief synopsis might be necessary. After spending countless years studying the esoteric and occult aspects of the various secret society groups, or mystery schools as they're called, I began to be able to reverse-engineer a number of their secret communication techniques. They refer to this secret form of communication by a number of different names. It's alternately called the Green Language, the language of the birds, and the Phonetic Kabbalah, among other things. It uses archetypes, symbols, art, and myths to plan and communicate hidden ideas in the plain sight of the profane, and that's you and me, folks. These various seemingly unrelated elements, when paired with the proper context clues, begin to form a pattern or a common theme. Gonna pause for a moment here, folks. So if you were wondering about what I'm talking about exactly with pattern recognition, this is what it is. When you begin to see some of these seemingly unrelated elements coming together, these different tells out there in the ether, this synchromystic metadata, sometimes when you notice them, you can begin to see a common theme or a pattern that begins to emerge. It is often extremely difficult to ascertain the pattern without the proper cipher or blueprint. The disparate information populates many different facets of our society and culture around us. Some of the favorite vehicles for the expression of these metacommunications are news and entertainment media, as well as social media. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. This is why we do need to pay attention to some degree or another to these different forms of media. And certainly, I think we're all exposed to not only news media, but also entertainment media, and most certainly social media on a regular basis. So if you're getting information from any one of those three different places, chances are there are metacommunications hidden in some of that. And certainly that seems to be the case. I have termed these slightly disparate bits of information synchromystic metadata. Once you can connect the dots between these synchromystic bits of information, a clearer picture begins to emerge. Because of the subjective nature of this synchromystic metadata, it takes a bit of practice and intuition to begin to decipher the intended communication. You need to be able to proverbially think outside the box. Oftentimes, it is like following a trail of breadcrumbs to find the destination to use the allegory of a commonly recognized fairy tale. going to pause for a moment here, folks. Yes, sometimes fairy tales as well are used as a means of revelation of the method or are used to express these types of synchromystic metadata. You see, they like to use the law of allegory in many instances. Once you learn the different ways that they communicate, you could begin to pick out certain aspects of the pattern and maybe recognize it for what it is based upon the context clues and or the intent. And it's important that you have both to get an accurate depiction of what's really intended there to what's really behind the symbol as presented. It certainly helps to be able to recognize the repetitive cues that infer the cipher you need to follow the trail. 
And that leads us right back to the Year of the Rabbit, ladies and gentlemen. I recognize this trope as the cipher to decode the messaging and programming template for this year, 2023. I certainly did early on. I had a feeling that that's what they were queuing that up for, that this was going to be an important programming template, and sure enough, it seems that that very well could have been the case here. Let's continue. There were three main symbols that stood out that served as roadmaps to navigate the landscape. The rabbit, the moon, and China, or more broadly interpreted, the east. I would highly suggest that you review the original article for more context. And we've done so. So, having recognized the template, I was able to piece together an overall theme for transformation this year and map out approximate dates within 7 to 10 days for big events to occur. Little did I realize at the time that these dark occultists who run things were going to switch templates at the start of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, September 15th through September 17th, and not wait for the Chinese New Year again to reset the agendas in preparation for 2024, the Year of the Dragon. A mere 22 days later, on October 7th, the shift was made from the East to the Middle East. Going to pause right there for a moment. Hope I'm not losing you folks on this. Now, following the rabbit trail, pun fully intended, we'll see how they shifted gears and how they decided the programming motif the template, was going to change up. You see, they're trying to throw a little wrench in the works. For those of us who may be catching on to how they operate, and I think, I think they don't like that. So it's quite possible that they always shift these things up on the fly. And they have their reasons, I'm sure. And it may go way beyond just the fact that there are people who are figuring out the way they operate. But once again, it's important to point out the numbers here. So a mere 22 days from Rosh Hashanah on October 7th, the shift was made from the East to the Middle East. The war in Ukraine, which represents the East, was quickly replaced with a different kind of war in Israel. The most interesting part of all of this is that this was all well outlined in the Year of the Rabbit programming, if you can follow the proverbial and literal rabbit trail. This brings us to a notion called Yachnahaz, explained below. Yachnahaz, the hare-hunting Hagado. There is a mnemonic to help remember the sequence of events when the Pesach Cedar, the Passover, or another festival is held on Saturday night, just as Rosh Hashanah was in 2023. And it's a term known as Yachnahaz, capital Y-A, capital K-N, lowercase E, capital H-A, capital Z. And this is a mnemonic to remember the sequence of events of the ritual that's performed on one of these festivals, such as Rosh Hashanah. And of course, Yah represents Yahin, wine, K 
Kiddush, which is the sanctification. Ner, which is when you light the candles by transferring from an existing flame, such as from a Yaritza candle. And say, Lahadlik, Ner Shal Yom Tov. And excuse me if I'm butchering the Hebrew here. I do not speak Hebrew. And then Havdalah. In this case, one does not repeat the blessing over the wine, which was said in Kiddush, nor the blessing over the spices, because the chag continues, but only over the fire. There is a special version of the Havdalah Burchak, which ends Havdam... I can't even say the, the Hebrew words here. I'm going to skip that. Sorry. <laughs> but this is part of the, the prayer and the ritual. And then the last part, Zaman, which is Shehetshayanu. So the mnemonic, Yach Nahaz, sounds somewhat similar to a German expression, Jag den Haas, which means hunt the hare. And for this reason, some medieval Haggado were decorated with a picture of a rabbit hunting scene. So I'm going to pause for a second here, folks. So this has to do with the Jewish festivals celebrated and particularly with Rosh Hashanah and the connection to the rabbit. So we see here this celebration according to some medieval sources here. The Haggadah in the medieval times was decorated with a picture of a rabbit hunting scene because of its connection to German language. And we have examples here. I have pictures posted in this article published in Prague in 1526 where it shows a hunting party chasing rabbits. And here's some commentary by Rabbi Fred Dabadal. The scene is an allegory. Our history is the history of an escaped people. In the Augsburg Haggadah of 1534, there are two scenes of Jagenhaas. The first shows the hare being hostly pursued by dogs and a hunter. The hare is being chased towards a net, and the outcome seems that the hare will be caught in the net and then savagely attacked. In the second scene, there's different scenes that were drawn in this. In the second scene, at the last moment, the net miraculously lifts up, the hare goes through, and with legendary speed, it outruns the dogs. Thank goodness this hare did not look back and see the dogs were slower and take a rest by the side of the road. The hare, as a symbol of the Jewish people in Haggadah illustrations, has an interesting parallel in the Briar Rabbit stories of Uncle Remus, who always manages by quick wits to thwart the designs of Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear to have him for supper. Br'er Rabbit can be interpreted as a symbolic representation of Negro slaves who pictured themselves as outsmarting their white slave masters. Jews could see themselves in Europe as rabbits that needed speed and agility, in Jewish terms, quick wits and or stratagems, to avoid, as best as possible, anti-Semitic plans for their destruction. The Gullum is a fantasy in the same vein. Eve Bunting wrote an allegorical children's story about the Holocaust called Terrible Things, and it is Little Rabbit who survives. As for the rabbit being non-kosher, so is the lion, as in the Lion of Judah, which conveys a completely different image of the Jew from that of the hare. I'm going to pause for a moment here, folks, so I hope the symbolism isn't lost on you. 
the rabbit. Had we known early on that the rabbit can be seen as a symbol of the Jews and a symbol of the Jews having to use their quick wits and or stratagems to outwit the anti-Semitic plans of Europeans, we could understand a little something better about what's been set up here. Now we're going to continue because there's more. There's more to this. Like I said, I hope I'm not losing you on these connections. Here's commentary by Rabbi Bernard Melman. The presence of the two plates for the first time in the Augsburg Haggadah may be an allegory on the fate of the Jews often persecuted at the Pesach Easter season. Commentary by Rabbi Amy Scheinreimer. Rabbi Davidow's sense that the hunting scene is an allegory for Jewish history reminds me of the interpretation of Chad Gadia as an allegory of Jewish history. Going to pause for a moment here, folks. So the rabbit hunt is an allegory for Jewish history. Remember that. Moreover, the success of the hares in escaping their would-be captors reminds one of the sense of jubilation our ancestors must have felt after crossing through the Reed Sea and seeing their oppressors permanently separated from them and unable to reach them. The net renders the dogs and hunters unable to reach the hares. They look back and sing their own version of the Sharat Hayam. So it would appear that the sequence of events that occurred throughout 2023 seems to align with the order of the ritual outlined above, represented by Yaknahaz, the rabbit, culminating at Passover of 2024, which occurs on April 22nd through April 30th of 2024. I'll explain this further in a moment. But first, let's take a glimpse back at the events of 2023 to show what I'm talking about. First, symbolically, yayin, or wine, could represent bloodshed. As we saw the outset of the Chinese New Year, as pointed out in the original article that I read from, bloodshed. Next, kedush, the sanctification, could represent the cleanup of the toxin, toxic train derailment, as mentioned in the original article. The next version here, the next portion of the Yaknahaz, Nur, lighting of the candles by transferring from an existing flame, could represent the massive fires in Hawaii. Next, Havdalah, the repeating of the blessing over the fire, could represent a plethora of other wildfires that occurred in Greece and elsewhere afterwards. And lastly, Zaman, or Shechen Yahu, Yanu, could represent the ultimate results of the conflict in Israel, which will likely come to a close sometime around the end of April or beginning of May, around the Passover and, of course, the Satanic High Holiday of Beltane, wherein Israel, or the Zionist political state that we know as Israel, achieves victory and gives thanks that they are still alive, as this is what the Shechen Yanu means. It's giving thanks that you're still alive. Now, this is all speculation on my part, and I reserve the right to be totally wrong about all of it. But based upon the synchromystic metadata I just pointed out, I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of thing comes to pass. So we see that a mere 22 days after the Jewish New Year celebration, Rosh Hashanah, 
we had the October 7th events, which escalated a new type of warfare and shifted the focus from the East to the Middle East in this way. And the rabbit trail followed. And of course, the rabbit that's running down the trail didn't really represent the East after all. You see, it represented the Middle East, and it represented particularly Israel. As we can see here, by these shared tales and allegories, the connection is there, so they shifted the focus. They had us following the rabbit trail. They had us going down the rabbit hole, looking in the wrong place. And it wasn't until these things occurred in Israel that I decided to look back at my original research here and try to connect some dots and see how exactly did they cue this up. And of course, my original prediction, I predicted around about September the 29th, because that is the Chinese Harvest Festival. September 29th, that's what it was this year. I made the prediction that something big, some big event might happen around that time. And just eight days later, we had these events occur in Israel, which kind of harken back to some of the same motifs that we saw throughout the Year of the Rabbit, particularly relating to the Chinese spy balloon development. Do you remember that? Terror from the sky. That's what we were looking at. That's the archetype behind that. Terror from the sky. Well, what happened on October 7th there at that music festival in Israel? Terror from the sky. When allegedly terrorists came in on power gliders and attacked these people and took hostages at the music festival. Unbeknownst, unpredicted from the most advanced intelligence apparatus in the history of the world sitting right there over the wall from them. They, they hadn't noticed somehow that this terrorist organization that they had been watching like a hawk for years had began to purchase power gliders and train with power gliders. How does that happen? I'll let you ask those questions and use your discernment yourself. But once again, we see the motif of terror from the sky also inherent here. And we see how this could be a queuing up for the Year of the Dragon in 2024 still. The dragon. The dragon represents a lot of different things. And of course we talked about the fire idea. Well, I'll let you use your imagination as to what kind of a fire-based weapon that might be used in this conflict there in Israel at some point. But anyway, like I said, this is all speculation on my part. And I reserve the right to be totally wrong about all of it, and I sincerely and honestly hope I am wrong about all of it. But I think this will culminate sometime around the end of April, beginning of May, as far as this conflict in Israel goes. We may see things wrap up then. 
I don't know exactly what that'll look like, but it seems to me, according to this synchromystic metadata, something can happen around that time frame. And based upon the things I know about these dark occultists who run things in this world, they love their Beltane holiday, May 1st, May Day, International Communism Day. All of these things always seem to align in those ways. So that being said, we could already see the queue up for some of these things in the ether. For example, the sudden emergence of anti-Semitism that seems to be popping up all over the news media and nowhere else that I've seen. Just in the news. A major shift has occurred in the zeitgeist, or the spirit of the time, and we can now see that the programming template for 2024 will likely come from Jewish tradition or symbols instead of Chinese symbols or Chinese mythology, and it will likely use a lot of motifs from Kabbalah. The symbol of the dragon will still likely permeate much of the entertainment media in the upcoming year, though. These dark occultists who plan these major world events love that archetype and will not pass on the opportunity to use it to influence the public mind. So we have this shifting of gears. So not only are they shifting from the rabbit archetype to the dragon archetype and the other associated archetypes with those, of course, with the rabbit, we have the attached notion of the moon and water, because it was the year of the water rabbit. Well, this coming year is the year of the wood dragon, which is a fire sign. And, of course, wood represents the natural order. So do they intend to burn down the natural order? Because, you see, according to these philosophers of fire, through fire, all nature is perfectly renewed. They love to burn things down and build anew. That's how they operate. And we can see the queue-ups here. And we see not only have they, they shifted gears with that, they've shifted the mythologies of sorts, or the symbology that they're going to use. You see how they were using Eastern symbology all through the year 2023, and now they've effectively shifted gears, and now they're going to use a lot of these motifs that tie back to Jewish traditions and Jewish Kabbalah. I think that's fair to say. So we'll see what it looks like. And like I said, I do reserve the right to be totally wrong on all of this stuff, and I most sincerely and honestly hope that I am wrong on these things. Not that I don't want to see conflict come to an end in Israel, I certainly do, but I don't think it's going to be something that will be all too pleasant for any parties involved. I think we're in for some really huge transformative changes through the year 2024. 2024 being the year of the dragon, so we have the trickster leading directly to the destroyer in certain regards, if you want to look at it in that way. Of course, the dragon symbol also represents wisdom. So who knows? It could still go either way. It's all a matter of how are they trying to leverage the archetypes? And do we let them leverage the archetypes or these inherent natural energies in their favor? Do we let them leverage them against us? Or do we take back... A little bit of our power by recognizing the patterns that have emerged out there 
in the greater information field, the zeitgeist, if you will. That's the term I prefer to use. Zeitgeist is an old German word that means spirit of the time. And I certainly think there are spiritual connotations and attachments to all of this stuff. It is not purely human human planning that goes behind this. There are spiritual forces at work that set these things up that are the causative factors behind many of these things. So that being the case, we need to be mindful of those things. We need to look for these cues, what I call this synchromystic metadata, and recognize it. Now, many people would say it's a bridge too far for them in thinking in these ways, that these are all unrelated things and that maybe it's a stretch to go there. Is it a stretch, though, if I can accurately make a general prediction and have it come to fruition with this information? Is it truly a stretch? Is it a bridge too far? I don't think it is. I think there's something here. And I would urge you folks out there, do your own looking into this. Use your own intuition to look at these things. You'll find all kinds of connections there that don't seem apparent on the surface. But when you begin to recognize these repeated motifs occurring throughout the various forms of media that we have primarily, when you begin to notice that, then you'll see the patterns start to emerge. And maybe you could use little bits of intuition to know where to dig next to find where the trail goes. This is the way in which these esoteric streams of information get preserved, oftentimes. And I could tell you the main things they like to use. They like to use news media, entertainment media. They like to use art as a means of communication, and they like to use social media more so than ever now. Social media and the power of the meme, the internet meme, that is also where you can find an awful lot of context to these things. And we can use many of these tools ourselves to offset some of this programming. But the first thing is to be able to recognize it. It is a form of communication. It's a hidden form of communication. It's an admitted thing that the secret society groups do use. It's not me just saying it. They really do acknowledge the use of this. I would urge you, go ahead, look into it yourself. It's called the green language. That's what the Masons refer to it as. The green language. The language of the birds. Phonetic Kabbalah. These are three different names for it. There are others, and I'm still sorting out a lot of the various materials that there are to look at to make these connections. But certainly they acknowledge that they use symbolism as a means of communication. It's a kind of inside joke, and if you don't know what they're talking about, and they do, well, that gives them a leg up over you. It's the same thing that has occurred in alchemy from time immemorial. They'll be talking about something in an alchemical operation, 
and they're probably talking over your head. You can't make heads or tails out of what they're saying, but if they have the right cipher to decode that language, one in the group knows what the other one's talking about. It's the old wink-wink, nudge-nudge, and they get a chuckle out of it because they could convey ideas back and forth, and you don't get it. It's kind of like the allegory of the internet meme. Sometimes you see a meme that you don't understand because maybe you're not familiar with the context of where it comes from. Maybe it comes from a popular TV show that you've never seen and don't understand the reference. If you don't get the reference, you don't get the joke. But the people that do, they get the joke, and they get a good laugh or chuckle out of it. But you don't get it. So then maybe you're the butt of the joke because you don't understand it. You see, this is kind of the same thing. That's how this works. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And I'm only in the beginning phases of trying to break this all down and decode it. And I would urge others of you out there to do the same. Because I think this is an important thing. If we are to head things off at the pass, some of the things they have planned, we need to be able to do this. We need to learn to read this synchromystic metadata that is in the zeitgeist or the information field. If you're not familiar with the concept. It's a concept that's been agreed upon by all kinds of people, scientists and mystics alike. They all agree there's this information field out there that permeates all of our reality and our consciousness. Now they call it different things. Scientists will call it very sciencey sounding things like the quantum information field, or they'll sometimes refer to it as genetic memory or epigenetic memory. And then you have those in the occult who would refer to this as the Akashic Record or Ancestral Memory or some such thing. They all agree it exists. They don't necessarily agree on what to call it. But I do like the term zeitgeist, because like I said, that ties the spiritual component in there as well. And I think there is a spiritual component behind it. So that's the information field through which we can see this synchromystic metadata. And it seems unrelated and disparate at times. But once you can begin to see the correlations between them and connect the dots, then the pattern emerges. And once the pattern emerges, it's like a paint-by-numbers. And you can begin to pick out certain themes and understand the directions in which some of those themes can go. But in order to do that, you have to have some familiarity with a lot of mythology and a lot of the meanings of symbols, and a lot of the etymological meanings of words, where they come from, the roots of where words come from, what the original meaning was. It's a whole lot of thinking outside the box, as I put it. And most people aren't prepared to do that, because we're taught to think in a linear-type fashion. And it doesn't always occur in that way. doesn't always occur like that. So, need to be mindful and pick out these little disparate bits of information, put it in your back pocket, and when you see something that corresponds with it, then maybe you could find the connection, and once you find the connection, then you can find the trail and maybe have an idea as to what comes next in the pattern. So, that's the notion here, and that's the important point. So we followed the rabbit trail, and where does it go? Well, it leads into the mouth and the 
Waiting Jaws of the Dragon, if these dark occultists who run things get their way. But I have an extreme amount of hope that these people aren't going to get their ways. Because you see, there's no stopping an idea whose time has come, and we are living through a type of a great awakening of sorts. Whether people want to call it that or not, or acknowledge that as being what it is or not, there's many people that are becoming aware and awake to all of the corruption going on in this world. And they're not believing what the news media is telling them anymore. And that's an important, a hugely important first step in the freeing of the human mind. People don't trust their governments and they don't trust the media. That's step one in freeing your mind. And that's what we need to do. And I find a great deal of hope in the fact that many people are doing that. Anyway, I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one. Come with me. Now